0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Centre for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. the fuck was that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear that? Welcome listeners to the Woke Blokes
0: Podcast. Did you hear that? (laughs) I did hear that.
1: The meeting is being
0: recorded. They must have... um, they must have put that on Zoom because they had some cheeky people in meetings, like just che- made, like just cheekily pressing record, and like someone yeah. just going hard on the boss who isn't there in a Zoom meeting, <laughs> and they use it as blackmail. <laughs> you reckon? I don't, I don't know. I'm just. going they, they would agree have with to. You, it'd either. be a. Che- it'd be a real uh, cheeky record. That's what they'd be doing it for, so people would know yeah. the yeah, other yeah. end. Yeah.
1: Well, Ladies welcome listeners. listeners. Yeah,
0: welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast.
1: Feels like we've had a break right now.
0: Yeah. We'll probably release this and it won't seem like we've had a break, but we have had a bit of a break from recording, haven't we? It's yeah. Been... Yeah. you few I was, I was away for a couple of weeks and
1: um, it just happened organically. It wasn't a conscious sort of
0: thing, but um, I'm excited. It's, it's nice to be sitting down chatting with you again. It is. I'm loving the greenery in the background there, mate. It's beautiful. It's mm, all the shrubbery. And uh, how was your time away up north?
1: Wonderful. So we meant to be away for ten days, and ended up being away for just over two weeks because we didn't want to fly back into lockdown. So, but we ended up flying into lockdown anyway. But it was good. You know those those holidays where you're ready to come home. Yeah. Yep. Like I was ready to come home. Yep. Um, so it's just been work's been flat out, and that's something uh, that. We could probably chat about today. Uh, um, I'm a bit tickled pink. I'm a bit um, positively thrilled, one may say. Are you bringing the idioms
0: back with tickled pink? Kind of, a little bit. Yeah? <laughs> that, that, uh, that would make sense if, if, you were <laughs> if you were tickled enough, you know, you, you laugh and everything and then you, you go a bit red in the face. Do you reckon that's where it comes from? It depends on your skin tone and colour, I suppose, doesn't it? It's yeah, quite it's a true. racist remark. Yeah, uh, I'm um I'm thinking about a pig, like tickling a pig. Because pigs are pink. <laughs> I don't know why it's just the visual I'm getting. <laughs> oh, but hang no, on, no, hang I, on. I, I had a Yeah, but I, I I um so if I'm you're tickled pink about, you know, what you're about to talk about it after we get through yeah. this, but if you're tickled pink, okay. it's like I'm really, you know, excited and I'm happy and you know about something. If I get tickled to the point where I turn pink, I'm not having a good time. Well, this is this is um, something I was going to
1: say. My earliest memory of being tickled was... That's <laughs> 9 a.m. on a Friday morning. Let's here we, here, strap yourself in for this one. So my earliest memory of being tickled was by one of my dad's friends and me and my sister nicknamed him Mr. Tickle. Because he would tickle us so hard, it was a, it was a, it was traumatic. It was yeah. like I was three three years old. This dude was, like, and he got a real kick out of making us really uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, but I've, done, I've
1: done the work on that. So it's okay. I've,
0: I've, I have as well. I had an uncle who um, would do the same, and he would tickle me. And because you get when you tickle a kid, you get like a positive response back, or what you think's a positive response, because they're laughing. It's like, ah, yeah, yeah, we'll just tickle them. But like you're actually, there's a point when the, the tickle becomes like you feel mm. very out of control as a kid mm. and you, it's, it's, it's actually, um yeah, a loss, a loss of control of our body. And um yeah, I, I, I've done the work as well. And we kind of joke about now, like if Mel starts to tickle me a little bit, I'll start to pretend like
1: <laughs> Uncle Colin, stop it, stop it. <laughs> I'll get triggered. I'll get triggered.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll
1: regress. I'll regress. I'm yeah. So,
0: again. So I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have a very positive association with with being tickled. Same as well, you. Well, let's not say. be tickled pink then. Let's just. Um, be... But I love that saying. That's one that I've also got an association with. That saying, you know, my dad would used to say that, and you know, that was something excited was 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 brewing. I'm tickled pink. <laughs> <laughs> what are you tickled pink about, Nick?
1: Uh... Well, and I want your thoughts on this as well. Um, I've been doing a lot of work over the last 18 months to two years about mental health education, what is mental health, that, you know, talking about it, and you and I both have, uh, in the same context as physical health and whatnot. And I'm starting to see people coming to see me because they understand they got mental health and they want to actually get it in shape they're not coming to me because there's problems necessarily they understand their problems are a byproduct of not um doing certain things um and people are wanting to actually start investing in their mental health so many people are skipping mental health care plans and going down that route and coming directly to us now um and i had someone finish a 12-week program and we're going to maintenance program. He said, "Yeah, of course I'm going to do the maintenance program because I, I got, I've got a gym membership. Why wouldn't I continue working on my mental health?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, go you're the thing." Yeah, I tickling I... myself till I became pink.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I um, I think that's it's fantastic to hear that, and I think uh, I've been seeing the same thing. Yeah, it's people are now being more proactive and they're seeing it as an investment, which is so important. You know, I was reading something only the other day and I've, I've seen it many times over the years, it's probably a meme or something, but, you know, you can complain about, oh, the cost of going to see a therapist or keeping your mental health in shape or getting a coach for this stuff. But what's the cost of being in the exact same place in one year's time? Yeah. What's you know? the cost of not doing the work? Exactly. And I think that's a great way to look at it. And I've seen... Yes, people are more aware and proactive. And I've also seen people have been coming to me uh, probably, I'd say, the last three years who are, instead of waiting, you know, if you imagine we're getting our car serviced, right? And there's, you know, it's due for a service and we need to go in and get a few things checked, but it's still running well. Whereas with our mental health, people would pull that thing into the mechanics and all the wheels are fallen off, the windows are smashed, there's the headlights are smashed, and it's an absolute mess. So I would see people, you know, in the depths of drug addiction, in being stuck in mental illness for years and years and be done tried everything else and then come as a last resort. Whereas I've been seeing people now who and, and it makes my it makes me tickled pink as well, who are saying, Look, I'm I don't have a massive problem at the minute. But I'm starting to use these drugs recreationally, and my relationship to them is is a way that I know if I keep going down this path, I can kind of see where I'm going to end up. So let's Mm. say if that that path is, you know, 10 is the end of that path, which is complete. uh, My life's a complete fucking mess, last resort, you know, wanting to commit suicide, blah, blah, blah. They might be two of those 10 steps down the road, and they're coming in to to get help at that point. And that's just, it's so. Coming
1: in before it's critical mass. Yes. And I was curious to learn from you, because um, you and I work in the same field, but sort of different places. Um, and, yeah, so that, that's really cool that people are sort of, Alright, oh, I'm starting to use, it was recreational, now it's becoming a little bit more. It's like having a beer, you know, once or twice a week, and all of a sudden it creeps up to three or four times a week. I guess it's the same thing. Yeah, Yep. Um. Yeah, so congratulations, everybody. Well done, everyone out there who's uh, who's jumping on the. Oh my, my, I've got to look after this and put some time and effort and energy and money into it too. That's, yeah, uh,
0: and I think you're right that there, there, there's a there's a kind of a critical mass that happens where even people that um, may have not thought looked at it or embraced it, or maybe they haven't themselves or anyone they directly know really been by their side through some mental health issues or an addiction or whatever it is, even they're starting to understand now that, you know, people need to be proactive mental health, an actual thing, you know, duh. Mm. Um, because I, I would get in the trap, you know, years ago where you'd kind of, you'd be around people a lot of the time who share those views. And so you'd start to think that that's how the rest of society felt And so, you know, I'd I'd all of a sudden think, oh, we people now understand addiction, blah, blah, blah. And I remember this one time I had an old friend and and he was a wonderful man who used to go to my gym. And uh, he invited me to do a talk. at. He was part of the Rotary Club Mm -hmm. because I'd love for you to come. We have once a month a guest speaker. I'd love to have you along and, you know, know, do a talk about your story and all that kind of jazz. And so obviously we're talking a bunch of old dudes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And I remember doing that talk and I'm like, Oh, no, they don't get it at all. Nah, <laughs> it was not, like... Not it the was the demographic. Like, I was talking double Dutch, right? Yeah. But even now, I I'm seeing that even people of that generation yeah. are starting to understand a lot more because obviously it's been, you know, a lot more... And this isn't the right thing, but we tend to look up to sports players and that like they're some sort of authority. But like it's actually good that a lot of these sporting players are coming out and discussing their mental health because making people go, oh, this must be a real well, thing. Well, they, they are the role, they are the role models, actors,
1: sports people, anyone anyone who has influence and and some time in the spotlight. Yeah, it's it's good that those people are starting to use that time
0: in the spotlight to create a positive ripple effect through society. Because and talk about positive ripple effect through society. The more people that treat their mental and emotional health as an investment and something to be proactive about and something to keep on top of, um, think about the the ripple effect of that five years, ten years, twenty mm. years into the future. I think it's just a it's an a, it's an amazing thing.
1: Yeah, totally. It's. Um... And uh, S. N. Goenka um, said, so "We can't have peace on earth until we have peace within ourselves. So it all starts as a on an individual level, and all of that collectively creates that society shift. So if we all start doing our own little parts, then all of a sudden, you know, the neighbourhood starts getting a bit
0: happier. Yeah, because it's like as a it's kind of like as a society." if you think of our our collective as like a a single person, it's like they've gotten to their kind of rock bottom. It's like we've gotten to this point where the current systems in place haven't been working, you know, X amount of people are killing themselves every single day, like a massive amount every minute someone's killing himself, Mm -hmm. Um, even though we're in this amazingly advanced society. So it's like that as a society, we kind of hit rock bottom and I think now we're starting to... Take the steps to pull ourselves out. But it starts, like you said, with the individual taking ownership of their own mental health because it's not just the one person. It's like that one person that comes in to see you, Nick, and says, Hey, I want to treat this like a gym membership and I want to stay on top of my mental and emotional health. Yes, it's great for them, but it also has a ripple effect to their immediate family, then their extended family. Because when you're around someone who's on top of this stuff, yeah, when you're around someone, they don't have to tell you how hey, you should do this or should do that. They're just around someone whose energy is in a better place and it has an effect mm. on them. And then they'll say, hey, what are you doing? Well, yeah. I, go, I go to MindFit and treat that. When I go, do a, go there once a month or once every couple of weeks, whatever it is, and I stay on top of this stuff. Then that person yeah, uh, says, I might do that too.
1: I, w- I went there and did 12 weeks worth of work and, and got my my head in shape and started thinking a lot healthier and now i'm just going back there just to start top of things oh that makes sense oh yeah okay a lot, a <laughs> lot of
0: people say like what do you go there for there's nothing wrong with you it's like you know there's nothing wrong with me but there doesn't have to be anything wrong with me to want to stay on top of this stuff it's it's the yeah
1: and that's what i guess what we're saying is a little bit more proactiveness you know our, our our programs initial programs are reactive programs and the the maintenance program is a proactive program so it's um yeah it's it's great when people are just don't chew the chair little american staffy chewing the chair (laughs) classic classic staffy classic um yeah yeah it's just i'm just really proud of all the people that are sort of getting the head around it. And, you know, I had a bloke in yesterday, a big tradey dude. and He's like, yeah, I never talked to anyone about this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, just and – and there's this narrative that I'm not very good at speaking. I'm not good at talking. And, and they actually are when you give them the space to do it yep. and, and a little bit of guidance. Uh, and this dude, just once he got going, was I had to pull the brakes off. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right you've done a great job. Thanks, sir. Thanks for talking, so I'm just really proud of all these all these people, men and women, but but really blokes
0: especially that are starting to yeah, get out there and do their thing. Yeah, you're right. When when people when people feel safe they they love talking about it you know it's just yeah I'll, I'll, i've had that so many times before it's like oh i'm not good at talking and then half an hour goes by and they <laughs> haven't stopped and i'm like you did it right there <laughs>
1: yeah I, I think you can change that belief now let's yeah. let's alter that belief now yeah so yeah so that's exciting
0: it's um, kind of human nature isn't it though if it's not you know we've done it with you know physical health and stuff in the past it's like you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'll wait till something goes wrong before I before I go and get it looked at. You know, it's like it's it's yeah. a bit of human nature. Yeah, uh, yeah. If it ain't
1: broke, don't fix it. Or there's a look after things and they last. So yeah. that, that's that's let's do that one instead. Let's do that one instead. <laughs> um, yeah. So Queensland was great because it was a good time to step out of work and reassess. You know what we're doing at MindFit and look at things a bit objectively. And so. Uh, we're changing things up again. We're going to introduce some online stuff. Uh, but the exciting thing is, we're planning a 12-month trip around Australia. Wow! So we're uh, yeah, in 2023, I think we're going to um, pack up the doggos, chuck them in a camper, and um, spend 12 months driving around Australia doing mental health education talks. The uh, the mind fit. Uh, Winnebago world, t- world Tour World Tour Australia Tour in, in Australia well, That's like, like the, that's like the World Series World, yeah.
0: world
1: Series <laughs> 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 That's so true Because we're the world champions but Are you? Are you? Did you,
0: did you play What other countries, countries did you play? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, so yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get some sponsorship for that. Um, gonna start looking at. That's gonna be yeah a couple year project to get that up and running. Um, but we're trying to get a lot of other sort of yeah
0: people on board to help with that and promote it. And and what do you do? You like stop in a lot of these sort of smaller towns and everything along the way and.
1: Awesome. Yeah, so we'll 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 map out a route, um, and we'll touch base with all the local councils, um, and yeah, just sort of you know hit one little town, but try and get people from surrounding towns to come in as well. Yep, um, and hopefully it gains a bit of momentum, you know, with a bit of exposure and, and whatnot. So, uh,
0: mate, that sounds yeah. Um, unreal.
1: Yeah, I just want to plant some seeds, you know, just just get out there and. Uh, because a lot of people just don't know that this stuff exists, you know, so let's take it out there and start putting it out there, and, and also the Woke Blokes podcast, let's spread that around out there a bit more as well, because you're getting a lot of great feedback about what, yeah, how beneficial people are finding this to listen to. So Yeah, we got, I'll just bring one up, I think
0: I sent it to you, Nico, the other day. Oh,
1: yeah. Let
0: me just bring oh, this up. Oh, that was up. weird, that was, I'll tell you a story about that all right well we just got a nice. yeah just someone on, on, on the wonderful instagram you know shared one of our episodes and just said you know everyone out there you know have a bit of a listen oh this podcast is amazing for all of my divine masculine followers i'd, hmm. I'd classify us as the divine masculine um <laughs> Well uh, her followers though. I just sort of said, you know, <laughs> I just <sort> of <laughs> Stop making it about you, man. Stop wanting it. to be divine. My, my ego wants to be divine. <laughs> the divine Ryan. Um so <laughs> and then I just sort of said, you know, thank you for sharing that. And she said, you know, your podcast has changed my husband's life, really, with an exclamation mark. I'm forever grateful, sending you lots of love. So that's just beautiful. I love getting messages like that. That um, was amazing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, I when you sent that through, I was on the Sunshine Coast, staying at a friend's house, and I looked at the, the lady who posted I looked at her, her profile just to see what she did, what, what who was following her, and... Um, yeah, there was all these synchronicities. So she was from Melbourne. She was living like a suburb away from where I was at the oh, time really? reading it. She was using these angel cards, which um, my partner Emma and her friends were all using at that exact time as well. <laughs> like the, the, there was just so many synchronicities <laughs> going on. It was hilarious. So I, I, love- I, actually, I, I actually messaged her and said, well, right. this is what's going on.
0: I love when that happens. But yeah, it was very yeah, cool. That's unreal. Um, so that'd be great. You could take woke blokes on the road. I'll, uh, I'll have yeah, to man. hold up the fort. I don't, don't even know where I'll be in 2023, to be honest. <laughs> be fucking anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: So, yeah, so that's exciting. So I've got a, a 12-week online program that you're going to help me to get up and running and, and going. Um, so that's just for people to do. Um, when they can't make it in or if they just want to dip their toe in this a bit. Um, so we'll, yeah, just, we've got some things in the, in the pipe works and it's good.
0: That's beautiful, man. It's good when you have those kind of little breaks or holidays. And it's interesting how, when you, you kind of physically distance yourself from something, you actually kind of gain a better perspective. It's like you've, you've drawn your consciousness up from the minutia of, of life and work and everything. The yeah. what? Yeah, that's right. I used the word minutia. You did? And, uh, and, and you, you you were actually looking at me
1: to see well, what my reaction to me. You, yeah, I was. going to drop minutia on him right
0: now. was oh, seeing <laughs> if I get no response or response to minutia, I got a big one. <laughs> um, uh, um, but you do, you, you, you gather this uh, more objective kind of look and we, you can sit back and kind of look at your life and um, I think that's one of the reasons, well, I've had those kind of breaks as well, where you like, you get this objective look at, your, at, at life and work and you go, hey, I want to keep doing A, B and C. I want to pull back on A, B and C. And then you kind of get excited about coming back and, and putting it all into action.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, well, it's like anything, you know, it's good to take a healthy break from it as we've, we've rattled on in the past and healthy relationships take a break, see what comes up. But it, it, you can't see the forest for the trees. So whether it's your own personal relationship, or even with kids, or with work, it's it's nice just to step out of it for a bit, and you know, because we get swept away in it. And you know, I was trying a lot of things. Like we're trying to do this online me- meditation and da 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 da, and all this sort of stuff. And it just wasn't it wasn't gaining traction, or it wasn't getting off the ground. Um, so I think we've found a way to sort of. Yeah, put it all all together and and just streamline it all and just make it much easier for everyone. So yeah. you know, it was it was really nice to gain that clarity, I suppose.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like we get caught up in in momentum. It's like we're kind of just that that big rock rolling down the hill in all mm. these areas of our life, and we don't take a break from that. And we just it's momentum, 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 and then we might be whether we're, whether we're doing something that. We want to change or maybe someone who even is in a career they don't want to be in or a relationship they need to change or something like that. And then all of a sudden, because we're in this momentum and we never stopped, then all of a sudden, a week, a month, a year, three years, just all of a sudden goes by. And we're like, oh, fuck, well, I never stopped and had a look. And we're in, we're in an age now where we're constantly stimulated. So there's never really, we don't get like a few hours in the day where we're sitting in the savannah you know, waiting to hunt food and thinking about our life. We never have that. We've always got that fucking phone that we can look at or TV or whatever it is. And so we don't, we don't have breaks as much as we need. That's
1: why doing those mindless tasks around the house are so important. Doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, all these mindless activities um, are really important because it gives us that mental break. And, and it just, you know, you have your, I have my best ideas in the shower um, because we're just, it's just a mindless activity and it opens your mind up and it starts flowing again. And a couple of examples of what you're talking about, uh, you know, I had a client who's 25 and he's like, um, I wish I had have done my apprenticeship when I was 17. I got to 21 and then I was like, oh, I would have been finished it by now. And then, you know, but he got caught up in what he's doing and then he got to 25. He's like, shit, I still haven't started an apprenticeship yet. And he's like, I could have done it, you know, when I was seventeen, and so there's all this regret that sort of comes with, with not stopping and, and stepping out of it. Um, I've got this amazing client in the UK at the moment, and his his business is going through, or the the company he works for is going through a change, and they're firing everyone and then rehiring. And you know, it's working class Britain, blue collar, um, and uh, this guy is it, it, part of the union and the union's going to take this company to court and they're going to have their day in court because it's not fair how they've been treated and all this sort of stuff. And he said he got his notice and they've got 11 weeks to go. But he's been drinking more. He's been a bit angry. And I'm like, why are you still there? Why, you know, he's talking about he's found all these other potential jobs and even maybe going to do some landscaping. That'd be cool. I'm like, why are you there? He's like, yeah, there's this this weird sense of duty, this sense of oh, oh, we're all in it together, this mob pack mentality, and it's like oh fuck, I'm meant to be going the picket line to protest at eleven today. I'm like, do you want to? He's like, not really. I'm like, well, you don't have to. You don't owe anybody anything, you know. You don't have to do things that make you uncomfortable. Like, oh, but what about you know my mates? What do they say about me? And I'm like. Oh, I must be loved and liked. Hello, little toxic Hello belief gun. Like, oh, fuck. And he's got this weird sense of duty. And, and how am I going to look after my family? So that he's living in this constant state of anxiety instead of just leaning into this sense of trust and, and, and letting go. And just, I you know, said, so this parallel universe is a version of you that exists 11 weeks from now. And he's taken the hard path and, and left that job and because yeah, they've got their day in court, but they may or may not get compensated. It's, it's an unknown. And I'm like, so you could focus all your time and energy into doing something healthy, or you could stay in this toxic sort of relationship, and yeah, there's going to be a version that pops out at the end of this 11 weeks. What are you going to do? And so it's it's he's just gotten swept away in it.
0: Yeah, no, and it wasn't until
1: a... we had that session yesterday, where
0: he's like, "Fuck, thank you for bringing me out
1: of it, so I can actually look at it objectively."
0: Yeah, yeah, I actually had a similar conversation with a with a client this week who was, yeah, in a role it wasn't their main job, but they're working a couple of days a week in this other job, and they know they're like, "It's not, you know, good for me," and it's kind of like, "All right, well, why are we?" We're we still there, and so we explored them going in and saying that they're quitting and just saying, Well, what, what's coming up when we're playing this out? And it's this obligation and um, A sense of and, duty and, is, and, and, I have and to. yeah, and fear and guilt, so it's like fear, fear yeah. guilt, and this sense of obligation. And um, I said, All right, well, let's, I can't, yeah, so I said, Let's let's explore that, and I said, You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to make a decision for you and tell you what to do, but let's see if we can start to remove this obligation, fear, and guilt so you can make a decision from a more balanced and objective place. And, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of stuff started coming up around, you know, well, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. And I'm like, well, who's someone that does something wrong? You know, not me. I'm like, oh, so you do nothing wrong. And we're really, really mm-hmm. unpacking this. And it came back to... Um, they didn't feel safe to put themselves above other people. So always putting other people first. So like staying in a role, even though they knew it wasn't bad for them, this was a pattern throughout their life. And we started, you know, really breaking this down. And it came down to some of the things that you were saying then. It was this being able to trust themselves Mm -hmm. and also being able to trust that everything will be okay if they choose themselves. Because if you play it out, it sounds so funny and irrational but if you play out that you know everyone needs to like me you know blah blah blah. put other people first it's really a fear of if I do put myself first then eventually no one will want to be around me and I'll die alone. And people are terribly afraid of just dying alone and old. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, we, we play that out and that's kind of where it ends up. And so at the end it was, yeah, build, trusting, feeling a lot more safer to choose themselves, finding instances in the past where they had chosen themselves and even though it caused them massive anxiety and everything and they felt obliged, everything worked out okay. So kind of challenging that belief. And so, yeah, very similar theme it sounds.
1: And we're speaking about um, you go when, as soon as you have a choice, there's anxiety because yeah, it's like, oh, but what if I make the wrong decision or what if, you know, all the what ifs come into play and the imagination just goes, hey, my time to shine and runs <laughs> off into all these different rabbit holes. Yeah. And so it's, it's, we're talking about just bringing it all back and just living in that sense of trust as said and, and, and taking the hard path. It, it takes more strength to let go than it takes to hold on. It takes... um. You know, this deep inner strength to, to stand up for yourself and for your family instead of just going along with the pack. Um, and, and it takes a lot of strength to break away from that pack, especially blokes you've been working with for 20 years. So I said to him, well, I wasn't trying to guide him down one path or the other, but I just wanted him to make an informed decision based from uh, a, a grounded empowered position instead of a heightened anxious driven decision so yeah we'll see where he ends up but it was also interesting in that chat we we spoke about tolerance and i think um uh, we're chatting about this i think there's two different types of tolerance there's you know in the vipassana meditation we sit there and we we learn to to tolerate discomforts and, and not just mindlessly react to it, um, tolerate babies crying when you're a new parent, and we build tolerance to these things. But I think people build tolerance to toxicity as well, which becomes really unhealthy. And so I can, you know, the, the old adage of change occurs when the discomfort of staying where you are becomes greater than the discomfort involved in moving. So imagine you're in a pot of. Water like a cauldron, <laughs> a witch doctor's grab yeah, you. Which is and, cold. <laughs> and you and the fire is under it, and it's, it's warm. And you're like, oh, this is nice. Eye I, I of newt in there with you. <laughs> and I reckon there's two types of people. There's, there's a type of person, and so there's this cauldron, and on the gr- on the ground all around it is broken glass, right? So I reckon there's two types of people. One is sort of able to identify that. The temperature is increasing in this. This is going to get to a certain point where it becomes intolerable or or unbearable. So I'm going to have to, at some stage, get out and walk across this broken glass. I'm going to do that now because it's going to be the lesser of two evils eventually. So instead of putting myself through unnecessary suffering and sitting in this boiling water, I'm going to get out and just rip the Band-Aid off and and get across and, and move on with my life. I reckon that's the minority though. I reckon that's like probably 20% of the population knew that. The majority are just content to sit in there and sit in there and sit in there and they'll justify, no, it's fine. I like hot water. No, no, it actually feels good. Yeah, no, all my mates are doing it. Yeah, I should be doing it too. The witch told me they loved me once. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally their skin starts falling off because... They're melting, and then they ah, and they jump out mindlessly, reactively, and then run across the, the glass and ah, the whole way across. So it's just this massive amount of suffering, which you know. Is and they also
0: and they also hate the witch and and blame yeah, them for it's the witch's the, fault all of the skin peeling off and everything. Yeah, it's like <laughs> um, it's like when we start to teach people about. Really having compassion for all other human beings and understanding that you know when most human beings are mindlessly playing out their programming and traumas and automatic reactions, so you can really everyone's understand doing the best they thing. can. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. people tend to then go, "Oh, well, I'll just let everyone you know walk over me then and never change anything." It's like, no, no, no. You've you've like <laughs> you've, Henry's you've you've Henry's taken Henry. the ball and you've run to another field. <laughs> You're on it's the like, other
1: end of the spectrum
0: now. You can you can get out of that pot and still have compassion for the witch and go, she's a witch and she's making this boiling in this is what she does. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to now, I'm going to get out of the pot and walk away, but I'm not going to hate the witch. I can do that from a place of compassion. But, but this, Those things this is where,
1: to... yeah, yeah, but this is where, and, and I love doing work with people about developing more understanding and, and which say that understanding is a cornerstone for love. And so love and compassion for other, all, all, all humans and, and creatures. So, It's it's the remember the scorpion trying to get across the river scorpion and and the frog yeah yeah and the frog and it's just it's just the scorpion's nature yeah and so it's the witch's nature if if we can understand the nature of things even and first and foremost ourselves so I was chatting to a client yesterday and said I I learned to love myself by understanding that I i was allowed to not like parts of me i was allowed to not like some of my habits and some of my tendencies some of my nature um but underneath it i still loved myself you know entirely I i didn't beat myself up i just sort of go oh i understand because of my programming and all that sort of stuff this is my nature uh if I don't like it, then I just sort of observe it and go right. How do I begin to start to modify or, or change this because it's not working for me anymore? You know, it's not aligned with who I want to be or whatever the case may be. So it's so much easier to, to create change when we embrace it instead of holding it at bay and going, no, oh, it's terrible, it's horrible."
0: Yeah, this is um, yeah, when we kind of think about Jung. It's like this is when we start to create shadows and we're like this is a part of myself that i don't like let me just push it over here somewhere so i don't mm-hmm. cuz i don't want to see it right yeah. so then that that part doesn't feel acknowledged cuz all parts of us want to feel acknowledged they're like children and then we it, it needs expression somewhere and if we keep pushing it away it'll it'll come to the surface in some form or another generally in these destructive patterns cuz we're not like hey i see you i acknowledge mm-hmm. you and then we can mm-hmm. try, uh, the, the way we change is we integrate that part. We don't banish it, you know, forever. I,
1: I had so many clients when I was sort of mainly doing hypnotherapy and they came to me for anxiety and to help to, to stop feeling anxious. And um, I, I kept asking them, if, if anxiety was, was a, a human and it was sitting next to you, what would you do? And they're like, oh, Stab it with a trident, or I'd chop its head off, or I'd burn it, or blow it up, or all of these really hard. Stab harsh it things. with a trident. <laughs> yeah, a lady said that. A lady said that one oh. day. <laughs> I think a she'd been watching Anchorman. So, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> or she, or she was into like Greek mythology or something. <laughs> um,
1: and I was like, okay so this anxiety is a part of you and it's actually a really healthy uh, it's it's an important part of you yeah so as soon as you have an aversion to it uh, and and you don't like it and you want to cause harm to it you're instantly in this instant state of in a conflict where you're not going to be at peace you're not going to be happy but all you want is to be happy so you know explaining it to them in that way and they're like oh like what do you reckon you need to do with your anxiety I don't know. I'm like, let's let's, let's give it a medal. Let's it's it's done an amazing. Your my anxiety prevented me from leaving the house, you know, and and kept me safe. What a what a you know. Thank you. Here's a medal. But I don't need you anymore, mm. you know. So we can work with it and start letting go of everything that was creating all that anxiety to begin with.
0: I love it. Yeah, it's a reframing of of the feeling of anxiety itself. I do a very similar thing uh, with clients. I sort of have them. I said, So if you have a bit of anxiety, there's a part of you that's scared and perceives threat. So I said, imagine that there's a little, a little kid, and it's, it's, it ends up being a little them. But I'm like, imagine there's a little kid, and they kind of just, they just maybe tap you on the side or just tug your shirt just a little bit, because they're like, mm-hmm. hey, I think there's a threat here. You know, there's something to be mm-hmm. scared about, so be on alert. And what we're doing is we're telling that little kid, fuck off, and not pushing them on the ground and telling them to go away but they still perceive threat. So they come back and they tug a little bit harder at the shirt and we do it again. We're like, fuck off, leave me alone. And eventually they're kind of slapping you in the face, trying to get your attention <laughs> because you've kept not acknowledging them. So this is where anxiety, when you, when you turn towards it and embrace it and acknowledge it instead of when it's a two out of 10, but people don't and they push it away. And then it goes three, four, five, six, and then it goes up to eight, nine, and people start having panic attacks because the, they haven't acknowledged this part of them that's trying to let them know they perceive threat somewhere, and perceived threat because there's no actual threat really. Yeah. But they're just the being sort of,
1: hurt. They're just imagining that the worst case scenario and the fear. So that's their mind in heavily distorted. You know, we we call that. Um, and yeah, so what you're talking about there, for and from our perspective, is that there's suffering. There's a, a, a bit of general anxiety. That's that's healthy. That's normal. That's needed. That's necessary. Okay, but then it becomes unnecessary, and escalates to three, four, five, six, seven when you start using those distortions where you jump to conclusion. Worst case scenario, taking it personally, blaming yeah. other people, whatever.
0: Someone, someone but, asked me recently. They um, reached out on Instagram, and you know they, they wanted to talk because they knew I had a history of you know lots of anxiety and that kind of thing. And I've actually heard this more than once, but this. this you know, particular person. I remember the conversation, and they just wanted to know. They're like, "So, I just want to know you've healed your anxiety hundred <laughs> percent, kind of thing." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> I know that something's you know gone forever." But I say, "Look, my anxiety might be you know one tenth. I don't know how to quantify it, of what it was, but here's something I know for sure. Yes, I still get anxious from time to time, but." my anxiety never stops me from doing something I want to do. Whereas Mm. in the past, my anxiety used to stop me all the time from doing things that I want to do. And it would escalate from lower level to mid and high. And I would pull out of an event. I would, you know, stop, you know what I was doing. I wouldn't go and play footy. I wouldn't go for this job or take this test because my anxiety would would be making the decisions for me. Whereas now I can still feel very anxious if I'm going to give a talk in front of a bunch of people for whatever reason, but it will never stop me doing it because I acknowledge it and go, "I get it. You know, this is why you're anxious. Come here, little yeah. Ryan, and give me a hug. Let's go and do it anyway. We're going to be okay." Yeah,
1: that's uh, that's a that's an awesome way of putting it. We, uh, just listening to you, I was thinking. Our way of, if someone reached out to me and said, have you got rid of your anxiety 100%, my take on it now is just to educate them and explain to them that anxiety is on the the normal human spectrum. And so, no, I don't want to get rid of my anxiety 100% because then I'm missing a crucial part of me. But what I've done is I've trained myself and and learned to have an emotional response that's in proportion to what I'm experiencing. So if Nick's going to do a presentation and he gets up some butterflies or a bit of tingling, he's like, oh, that's a really healthy response to have because you're getting out of your comfort zone. And so... What we, what our nature. Once again, this is where we go into with understanding. We can love ourselves. Our nature is to go. Don't get out of your comfort zone. That's don't go out there. It's safe staying here. And anxiety is like that bodyguard, and wraps his arms around us. I've got you, buddy. I'll keep you safe. You're We're like, not going to go hey, anywhere. I'm,
0: it's okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and like, I love that you're doing that. I love that. You, I love that you got my back. But you know what? I've got this. So I'm going to stay in the driver's seat, and I'm going to acknowledge you, and thank you, and, and appreciate you. But. I'm going to keep going and doing my thing.
0: It's like, uh, I'm thinking now, if you think like anxiety is, you know, it's an offshoot of the core emotion of fear, which is one yeah. of the most primal emotions that any animal has. And then it's like, have you, have you gotten rid of your fear response completely? And it's like, yeah. no, I fucking need that thing. Because imagine <laughs> like, you know, someone in the dark alley is coming at you with a knife or you're crossing the road with your headphones and a car's about to run and, and beeps you. And then fear mobilizes you and makes you act faster than you can think. It's like, I really want that in the moment. I don't want to go, oh, a car's approaching at 80 kilometers an hour. I guess I better get moving. Splat. Well,
1: <laughs> or the, the, this murder in the alley. Like, oh, hey, would you like a cup of tea? Would you like to come and have a chat about? Yeah.
0: Put the knife down, sir. Let's have a cup of tea. Give your
1: fucking <laughs> money. <laughs> it's... Um... Yeah, it's it's great when you when we can reframe it and put it in a context that people can interpret and understand. And so yeah. when you when you take the the drama out of it and reduce that narrative that everyone's got going on in their head about it, you simplify it and just make it like a little puppy dog. All of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, okay, actually, I, I can I can engage with that now. I can I can talk to it. I can I can get it and understand
0: it." Yeah, because we're in we're in relationship to everything and so it's like well are you in relationship to your partner your friends your family yeah but it's like you're in relationship to your thoughts and your emotional states as well and people yeah. just tend to really identify uh, with, there's no space, the thoughts and emotions. So they're too close to them. So it's all sort of melded into one. The I, the self is melded in with these thoughts and emotions. But as soon as we start to put a little bit of distance between, so oh, so I, I'm actually in relationship and can interact with this feeling of anxiety or this thought that I'm not good enough. And then we can start- well, that's where to-
1: you're getting like- swept away again. You, know, you get swept away in there. I am- I am afraid and you buy into what that anxiety is selling you where if you can, you know, what we teach is get into that space between stimulus and response. So if this, if the stimulus is internal in the form of a thought or a feeling, identifying and going, oh, I'm not my thought. I'm not my feeling. Oh, I don't have to buy into this. I don't have to, my actions don't have to be driven by this. I can, Oh, that's a bit of anxiety. Well, keep going. Off you go. It's just going to pass you by. Yep. And, yeah, no right. reaction is still a reaction. So
0: it's, um, yeah, yeah, just that separation that, is really important. Yeah, that separation, that, that witness becomes a bit of a circuit breaker because if, if we don't have that witness, then we have the, the feeling and the thought and they both feed off each other in like a circular mm. motion. So it's like, I feel afraid, then my mind finds what I'm afraid of and says, yep, you're afraid of that. Feeling thought, feeling thought, and it just gets worse and worse. Whereas if I, the we witness, bounce, fall back.
1: But we, and what we're doing in that is, you know, we've got that destructive rust that we get stuck on the neurological pathway. And we're bouncing between distortion and disturbance. So okay. it's not fair. I'm getting angry. He's a prick. So we're labeling. I deepen that anger. Oh, God. And we jump to a conclusion. He's going to come and bash me. Then I get scared, anxious. So we're, we're just constantly bouncing and bouncing
0: and between deepening. Distortion and, deepening. and disturbance. So we're copping the yeah. two Ds there, are we? No wonder that's double D's, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's we've got some Samantha Fox going on. (laughs) To double D's in the house. Oh,
0: God. Well, DX, DX is in the house. DX. Um, Um, (laughs) Yeah, one thing I was going to say there's actually two things that we've probably moved on a bit, but I think I'll I'll dial it back a bit. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it's uh, I've brought this up on the podcast before, but I think it's a wonderful example of understanding someone, but then also not just saying, just because I understand, then I can accept that behavior. You know, because this is where people get this, like I said, this is where people get caught up, we get too black and white with this. Michael Singer, who I bang on about a bit, but you know he used to do talks at prisons you know every fortnight for years, maximum mm-hmm. security prison, like hardened criminals. and he said, you know and he would just teach them these spiritual principles that he'd learned in his life. And people would volunteer. They'd they'd come, these hardened criminals. And one of them, he said, who was, you know, he said it was a well-known, you know, serial killer at the time who was obviously serving multiple life sentences in prison. And after the talk, this fella came up to Singer, and he's obviously this pretty intimidating kind of guy. He just said, you know why I come here every fortnight? He says, why? He goes, because you're the only person who gets me. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, you understand that the only time I've ever felt alive in my life was when I was planning to and then killing someone and the rest of my life i felt dead inside and that i don't want to be here and and you get me and so michael singer says okay because we understand that person does that mean we just let people kill other people it's like no we don't (laughs) Like you should be put in prison for killing people but we're not going to move forward as a society if we don't understand someone's behavior and where it comes from because then we can start to look at you know, why do people end up in that situation where they only they feel the need to kill? Because most people just say that's a bad person, they're evil, we'll lock them away and forget about them. But we don't evolve. We don't kind of, you know, stop that happening with other people in the future if we don't understand that person.
1: Hmm. We call that looking beyond the projection. So someone, you know, hurt people hurt people. So someone's toxic, whether it's just in an argument at home or whatever. Um, and so if we can stay in that space and stay separate from it and, and not get caught up in their story and, and their narrative or what they've got going and we can look beyond that and go, all right, this person's actually in suffering. This person probably needs to be asked, Hey, is everything okay? You, what can we do for you? But we can also set those boundaries, which is what I think you're talking about is like, and I need you to know that the way you're talking to me isn't okay. So let's, let's, take some time and let's come back around to this later or
0: th- there's something that you can do, but setting the boundaries are really important. Yeah. And you can, you can set boundaries without the, the reactivity the attack. Yeah, that's right. Cause it's like, you know, I get attacked and I can set a boundary from a place of compassion and we diffuse. But if I then attack back, it's just energy's bouncing yeah. back and forward. And, and who knows where that ends up?
1: Well, the whole house burns down when you fight fire with fire. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yesterday, with a client, that they were talking about someone, would, were discussing this. Look beyond what they're projecting, and we figured out that this person felt really guilty, and that they were dealing with, and they kept having arguments. so okay, let's let's park it and let, let's look beyond <coughs> what they're projecting. And where's all this coming from? And so the anger was the the emotion that was on display, um, but that actually was coming from an anxiety which was coming from a guilt so it was this mm-hmm. triple layered um, thing in play and it was really cool because this person hadn't done something they said they were going to do and so they felt really guilty and so the best form of defense is attack so that's where they get really anxious that they're going to be called out or whatever that's uh, the shame and guilt and embarrassment so they started attacking my client verbally and I was like, "That's wonderful! What a wonderful example!" And I'm like, "Oh my God! How do you, how do you, how do you see that?" And you're like, "Well, you got to maintain some objectivity."
0: Yeah, when you're objective, you can you can kind of peel it back. Yeah, I love that. That's a wonderful example. The anger—that's why we're always with clients. I just tell them, look, anger is a secondary emotion. What's underneath? Totally. You, you know, then well, the anger—it was a third emotion. It was. Yeah, it was a well, try. Try it's a triple, triple cheeseburger. Triple, it's the top layer of a triple cheeseburger.
1: <laughs> but I, I love, yeah. You know, so we, we we talk about suffering at my feet. We have got anger, guilt, uh, depression, and anxiety. And and it's really important to. I don't know. I I don't think they're feelings. I think they're more moods, or they're, they're somewhere we identify it. I was okay oh, so with me you yeah, go so I think anger is more usually frustrated yeah we're usually we're just feeling disempowered we're feeling I don't think anger is the actual feeling that it begins at I think it's a Frustration is probably a form of anger. And guilt is more like shame or embarrassment. Depression is more hopeless or stuck. And anxiety is just that fight, flight, living in fear sort of response. So I think they're sort of more umbrellas for for those, you know, probably more applicable feelings. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I would, I would say, uh, anger and guilt. I would see as probably a core emotion or feeling. And then I would say depression and anxiety are states. Uh, are states. Yeah, I,
1: I, to- I was totally calling them states yesterday too. Yeah. Yep. When we get in a depressive state. We're in an anxious state. Interesting as well. Uh, we did a reframe for a client. Yes, They'll say, my anxiety always takes over. My anxiety always takes over. Okay. And I said, let's reframe that into, I feel afraid at times. And they're like, huh? And I said, what about I feel afraid at times? Because it, it doesn't always take over. Anxiety is not always in the driver's seat. It's, it may feel that way, but it, it's not literal. So, what literally happens is there are moments or occasions where you feel afraid. And then sit with that for a sec. How's that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I'm like, guess what? I feel afraid at times too. Oh. And and everyone feels afraid at times, and we need to feel afraid at times. It's not a bad thing. Mm. Oh, so it's it's funny how many people are having aversions to these unpleasant feelings and then compounding them and make, making them worse.
0: Yeah, especially when, yeah, that that real black and white language, isn't it, it always takes over. Well, you'd always yeah. have massive anxiety all the time. Yeah. You know, what about when you're sleeping? <laughs> No, I haven't got it then. Well, okay, that statement's false then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's good because it gets people in a position where they can, yeah, you know, reframe it and and free themselves to out of that bondage.
0: Yeah, I had a, a client the other week who I actually used anger to get him out of a an immobilised state or a submissive state. So it yeah. was. Um, we're talking about conflict and a lot of people I've had this myself, but a lot of people I work with have all sorts of trouble with conflict as in they mm-hmm. fear it. And mm. um, we were sort of diving deep into that and um, went back and yeah, <laughs> makes sense. He was like a, you know, a school kid in primary school and was in a different country um, where the rules were a bit harsher and he missed class one day. And the next day the teacher beat him and his two friends in front of the whole class, like physically. Mm. As well Mm -hmm. as verbally. This was his first real experience with conflict. And I'm like, wow, what Mm -hmm. what an imprint that is. And so, in that moment, when you're a kid and you're with a a grown man beating you, and there's no place for you to be angry, you have to be submissive. Mm -hmm. And so, and in a fear state. And so, you know, that's why whenever he anticipates conflict in his life today, he gets massive fear and starts shutting down, submissive. And so, he has Uh peace. Yeah, he reverts. He never sets boundaries. He'll try and even if he knows he's right, he'll like let the other person win so he doesn't have to have the conflict. Try and placate them, yeah. Yeah, so we went through and dealt with the submissiveness and fear and then we got angry and... Um, with the idea that we then went from anger, so got very angry at this, you know, man that had done this when he was younger, mm-hmm. which you should, because right now he's this big, strong dude, the guy I'm working with, well, he could beat the shit out of that guy. So he actually <laughs> envisioned yelling at him and, you know, pushing him out of the room and everything. So he went from this submissive and fear to this anger. And then instead of staying in anger, we then went to a place of empowerment. And I think empowerment mm-hmm. is when we really start to integrate anger because the anger is, is very powerful. It's a very mobilized state. And, um, so we went from yeah, it was like this different, different three layered cheeseburger from submissive and fear to anger, and then to empowered. Means hey, I can stand on my own two feet, and I can I can display what my needs are in my life today without the fear of being attacked by this giant man, which is what happened when he was a kid.
1: Interesting one. That's
0: uh, that's
1: cool. It it's just making me think of a client I had earlier in the week, and and he he. Um, felt very disempowered in a certain situation and, you know, thought, oh, no, I'm over it. I'm over it. And I'm like, okay, close your eyes and imagine this person walks into a room or onto a job site and what's your instant reaction? How dare you? Fuck you. So anger. <laughs> okay. So I think we've got some work to do with this. Yeah, and, still might be charge there. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said to said, I want you just to imagine saying to this person, um, I forgive you and I just wish you all the best. And I want you to feel how that, how that resonates with you. And he said, yeah, no, I don't believe it. And I'm like, cool. All right. And then I said, let's, let's go into some compassion and empathy. And let's let's imagine this bloke laying in bed at night. And let's, let's push everything he's done to the side. How do you think he would be feeling in those moments of solitude and, and, and quiet time? And he's like... Uh, I don't know. I said, do you think he would be feeling guilty? Do you think he would be feeling ashamed? Do you think he would be a bit embarrassed about what he he's like? No. Nah. I'm like, no. Lean into it. Do you do you think? Like, this is a human being. He's in suffering. This is the hurt people hurt people. You know, what's going on with him? He's laying there at night. Do you, do you think he can sleep well, knowing that he's affected so many people in a negative way? He's like, yeah, probably not. Like, okay. So... Let's now go back and and say, I genuinely wish you all the best. And, he, and his eyes popped open. He's like, I can't believe how how genuine that actually felt. He goes, I can't believe. He's like, I just want to give the bloke a hug now. And he's he's like, It still awesome. sucks what he it still sucks what he did. But you know, I, I I get that he he didn't actually mean to do it. Blah blah. Uh, it was a wonderful just this that, that liberation. That's, that's so cool. Here, I love moment.
0: that. And that, that's key. isn't it? It's like you know, I just still. It still sucks what he did. And it's okay for you to, for it to suck. But it's like we try and, get the understanding of the human underneath and then the behaviors over here instead of well, having- otherwise you
1: otherwise you you're still connected to it you're still attached to it and as you keep saying it, it's going to play out in some way And so you've still given this bloke the key to your happiness even though consciously you convince yourself that no nah, it's all fine i'm over it deep down subconsciously
0: there's still some part of you shaking his little fist going yeah. I um, What you described then just triggered my memory. I used to do this with clients, and I, I should do it again because I think it is a wonderful practice. And I would, yeah, use the the meta prayer. I just found it on my phone, um, which is of as Buddhist, you know. And I would have that with clients. So the meta prayer says, "May all beings be free. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be happy. May all beings be safe. May all beings awaken to the light of their true nature. May all beings be free." And, um, you yeah, I would start with someone like, you know, that they actually loved. It's like, say it to your dog or like say it to your, you know, your, your mum or dad or someone that you love. And it's so easy. It feels really nice. It's like, yes, yeah. I want that being to awaken to the true light of their nature. <laughs> and then it's like, you start moving out to like a co-workers or acquaintances and you kind of, make, and then all of a sudden you start to get to the people they have this real charge with. And I remember, yeah, this, I had this client, he was this lovely bloke, but he had these two, Two people who he'd had business relationships separately in the past, who'd kind of fucked him over, and one of them real bad. And yeah, we would, we would get to these two. He'd be so good with them. Then I'm like, now this person say it to them, and he fucking one of them he could say it, but he was like gritting his teeth when he said mm. it. The other one, yeah, he'd start that first line and go, "Now nah, fuck him," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd start to yeah try to unpack like you did with this client because like you sort of you see where that compassion runs dry and the emotional charge takes over.
1: But that meta prayer, we need to apply it to ourselves first and foremost. So, yes, yes, yes. You know, that's a
0: good point. Yeah. Your client and my client, they
1: weren't emotionally free. You know, we, we talk about in MindFit. The work we're doing is at the crossroads or the intersection of freedom and knowledge. And so we can have all this knowledge. We can have the meta prayer and everything. But if we're not emotionally free to to authentically and genuinely communicate and express it, um, then it's, it's not going to be effective so so many people think they're free but you you check under the bonnet and you're like oh no yeah. <laughs> still a bit going on there
0: yeah yeah you're so right yeah i think i would get them to try and say it for themselves as well a lot of people would have um quite an emotional reaction to saying it for themselves as well because, because oh, it's were, uncomfortable because they weren't free yeah and it's like i yeah. want this for myself but i don't i haven't been able to get this for myself up until this point and that's why I think a lot so, of people have an emotional reaction.
1: Yeah, and I keep talking about you know um, having a liberated mind, having a free mind. It's it's a, it's not just your mind, but it's it's. And I use the word bondage, but in a in a literal sense, you know, your mind is bound up. You are you are trapped. You're in a prison, whatever whatever way you want to describe it. So until we're free on all of those levels within ourselves, and you know from all of those. Things in the past, all those threads are cut um, with compassion and empathy until we can look back and go, you know what, you harmed me, but but that's your nature, and and uh, you harmed that version of me. You didn't actually harm me. You harmed a version mm. of me, um, and and that was your jam at the time. And, and but you know what, I'm okay, and and so I'm now forgiving you and accepting what you did. Still, you know, it, it's still. Um, not okay that, that you, you do that to people, but I'm I'm good, I'm okay, and you know what? I wish you well. I, I hope I I hope that you find your way back.
0: Yeah, and that's, show, when you're, that's when you
1: that's when you that's when you truly free is when you can look at someone who has caused you harm and you can you can start rooting for them. Yeah. You, know, you can start yes. barracking for them. You know, come on, man, come back to us, come back to us, because you know you've got so much value to add. You, you, you're using your mind for evil at the moment but it's a powerful one come and use it for good and, and come back to us
0: yeah i even, i love that even if it's someone like i haven't spoken to in fucking god knows how long but then i see whether i've just seen it on like maybe social media or they've done a post and i can just see they've kind of turned it around and everything or they've mm. done something and i like it brings a tear to my eye i'm just like mm. fuck yeah like it's, on, i just man. i
1: love seeing that shit I just, so if, you listen, if, you, if you're listening, driving in your car, or whatever, think about someone who has done you wrong, someone who has un- you know, unconsciously or mindlessly or even consciously caused you harm and just start, bring them to mind, bring their picture to mind and just start wishing them well and, and see what happens within you. See how, that, see how that transpires on a deep level.
0: Yeah, watch watch what happens inside. That's so interesting. <laughs> I um, just had this memory just come up then and from like 10 years ago. And I, it's so funny because we're in this world now and we just were talking about, we know like so bloody clearly how powerful our mind and everything is over our reality. And um, maybe someone's listening who it's all very, very new to them. And I just had a, this memory of when it was all very new to me. And I, I just sort of found out about personal development and that whole scene. And you can read books about the mind and everything. And the first ever book I read was um, Think and Grow Rich, which is, you know, about a, it's a personal development book. And in there, there's like, they talk about you know affirmations and how you can say things and you know, your mind. And, and I, wrote, I remember I wrote some out for myself and I was still like, it was new. I'm like, oh, I don't know if this, if my mind has anything to do with my reality, like just so you know, unaware. And then I had a friend and um, she was interested as well. And I'm like, oh, let's do, we'll make some for you, some affirmations. And I had these little index cards and I'm like, let's write out some that are, I can't remember what the process was, but it was unique to that person. And I remember one of the lines and you're obviously meant to read them out aloud. And one of the lines was, you know, I know who I am. I'm amazing. And I don't care what other people think. And, um, for this, this friend of mine, uh, that was very contrary, which I found out to her programming because she really did care what people think. And I remember she sat there and I gave it to her and she went to say that aloud and she just literally couldn't get the words out and then just broke down crying in front of me. And it was so new to me. I was like, holy shit. I give- <laughs> How like because uh, it didn't make sense to me why you couldn't read something out on a bit of paper, but she yeah. physically couldn't read it out and had this massive reaction. I remember in that moment, I just tweaked. I'm like, holy crap, this this thing up here is pretty powerful. Over <laughs> did you our- tell her to? Did, did you tell her to stop crying? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just read the fucking words? Stop crying. No, no, I wasn't. I I didn't. No, no, no. I was. I was—I um, can't remember what I said, but it would have been—you know—you're you're woke enough to
1: allow her to experience. I was woke enough to.
0: to say, let's just not read that card out for now. Um, but it, I know, think I, that yeah.
1: the, the wishing someone well—and and, and that was a great example. So she's got one of those three amigos that I must be loved and liked. I'm a people pleaser, yeah. Um, so it creates really small parameters. So I when mean, anything happens outside the parameters, she gets she gets triggered. Uh, you can't wish someone well if if you have that belief because it's gonna create the distortion where you take things personally and go to the four agreements if you want to with that one as well. And so when you're taking things personally, the the ego is bruised, the pride is is in play and the pride is damaged and then so it's like that that creates the fuck you mentality. No no fucking way am I gonna yeah you know, go and die, you dog cunt. Fuck it <laughs> Yeah. You <know>, hope you <laughs> family gets burnt or some shit it's, it's just that you can hear the real toxic destructive energy in that where if you can let go of that silly little belief that we're all born with that i must be loved and liked and you can shift into we're all ignorant we're all incompetent we're all mediocre we're all doing the best we can we're all on a different life path a journey we all have different capacities you know if you can lean into that understanding and stop making it fucking about you and actually start making it about them, it changes everything. And, and when you genuinely wish someone well and you feel that, it's one of the greatest feelings, I think. You know, that compassion is one of oh, the a. It just lights everything up.
0: It does. Yeah. There's a feeling of yeah, real connection there. It's like yeah, a real. It's I can, like I can, compassion. I can. I can see in you what's also in me and in everyone else. Even maybe if that yeah. person, you can't see it because you're in suffering and trying to project it, I can, I can see through it.
1: I wish you well. I wish you yeah. I genuinely wish you well. I wish you all the happiness in the world. I wish you can find happiness and, and contentment and peace. I wish you can be at peace. Yeah. Uh, just, just the saying that makes me feel great.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right, let's leave it at that. Let's, leave the, let's end the show feeling great.
1: Great. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to go and watch a men's um, Mental Health Suicide <laughs> um, roundtable yeah. discussion en- Enjoy.
0: Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, all right. Beautiful. Thank you, Niku. Niku. I just called you Niku. 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 Oh, thank you, Rainu I'm just imagining like a cuckoo clock, but it's a Niku clock, and you pop out. <laughs> Niku. Niku. You're, you're all. You're all ignorant. You're all. You're all mediocre.
1: It's five o'clock. You're incompetent. You're all incompetent. Niku. You're incompetent.
0: <laughs> a mind fit cuckoo clock. I can see it now. <sighs>
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump online and try and build an some, build one obscure thing to make anyway. Totally. Thank you, um, Nico, and you, listeners. I wish, you, I wish you peace, listeners, oh. and Ryan. I wish you happiness. I wish you, I wish you uh, a day free of suffering.
0: Wow! I'm gonna go in now and awaken to the true light of my nature. Oh, get up on them bad self. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Peace All out. Nice thank you for tuning into the woke blokes podcast please don't forget to subscribe to the show also leave us a five star rating we thank you so much and we'll see you all next time